Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm so used to Ben just uh, like handling most of everything. And I've, I've just kind of, I'll just sit back in the chair and just make my comments and then let him right. deal with all the stress, but it is, it is not that it's stressful at this point. We've been doing this for so many years. Um, by the way, what are you drinking tonight? Is that just water? That was water. I've, I've had some wine, but um, I'm backing off a little bit so I can, you know, be coherent during our, are you, our <laughs> you're conversation. Settled, you're settling into a, uh, like a, a nice, like lightly toasted kind of a right, thing. Right, right, right. <laughs> you have to drink to be a fan of the teams that I'm a fan of. So, um, what happened today? I thought the Commanders uh, won, right? They did, but you know that you you never know going in. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, excellent! Uh, and uh, you're also uh, you also root for the Ravens, right? I do. Yeah, and they won today as well. That was a boring game. Like like crazy boring i think it was three three up until late late in the fourth quarter i'm a dolphins fan we were off this week so yeah i think we're i think we're still in first place actually you guys are having a good yeah you are you are um that whole division's like uh you guys have seven and everyone else has six wins yeah so it's a really tight tight race <laughs> and as long as as long as Tua doesn't get his head knocked off of his shoulders uh, i'm feeling good about getting into the playoffs at least yeah Honestly, that's all I care about. Just getting like the idea. I would love to win a Super Bowl, but you know, and actually, a friend of mine's a Steelers fan, uh, diehard, and and you know, last couple of years they haven't been great, but um, and that run they had with Roethlisberger, you know, they were a great team year in year out, and I think they won. Was it two Super Bowls or was it just the one? I, I can't remember. I think that. it was three. Oh, oh, they won three. Oh, jeez. I think I think so. Well, but he was, he maybe, it was, was maybe it was two. It might have been two. And then they lost one. They beat the Cardinals one year and then they lost to the Packers. And then they did they win an, another one or did they it, did they lose to the Packers? Oh, man, my I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, think, I think I think I think Roethlisberger has at least two rings. He has two. OK, so we'll just we'll go with two. But he used to tell me he this guy was like diehard since he was a kid, you know, fan and. Every time, and each time they would win the Super Bowl, he'd be like, "I, I he's like, I, I got to be honest with you. After after they win, I'm just like, now what? Yeah. <laughs> so even then, it's like you're happy for like a day, but then like when that next season rolls around and you know you're struggling, whatever, you're just as pissed as you were before they, you know, before they won. You know, the, you just go back to being an you know an angry, disappointed fan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyways, this, I don't know if this is going to make it in the show, but I figured we'd start with a little, little football chat. Uh, great. So Dan, hold on. I am struggling <laughs> with this. I really am. <laughs> uh, normally, uh, all right. So tonight, all right, let's get started. So go cool. 
So we are talking Top Gun Maverick. This is Dave here. Ben couldn't join us tonight, uh, but we've got Dan Franco here. Dan, thanks for coming back for the 12th time, maybe? <laughs> no, something like that. Long time. Ben's uh, mad. My, my fantasy team is beating his right now, so I think <laughs> he's ghosting us because of that. Give him a, give him a, give him a nudge. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, Dan, yeah, you've been here a long-time friend of the show, uh, multiple guests, uh, and actually on a topic that I want to hit on before we get to this movie. But uh, for the, just in case someone is is tuning in for the first time because uh, they're, they're enamored with the podcast, they have to listen. And uh, if they want to know who you are, Dan Franco, why could you uh, explain that to the audience? Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm an actor uh, sometimes when, when people let me do that. Um, <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, we, we've been on, we've talked to, recently talked about um, Comedy of Horrors. It's a, an anthology that we have that's out that's available on Amazon Prime and most streaming services. Um, you now I've been at it for a couple decades and uh, had a couple, couple nice roles here and there, Veep, The Wire, things like that. So, uh, yeah. Excellent. And uh, you, as talented as you are, you you really became a big fan of the show and just insisted on coming on. So now we, you know, we we kind of have a regular exactly. spot for you, right? <laughs> your uh, your 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 Interstellar episode snagged me, and then I I started pinging you guys on Twitter. Yeah, great. Uh, love love uh, love to love to build this. Uh, this little thing we have going on it's great um and of course if you are first time then uh the format which we typically do is we have uh, a guest a talented individual such as dan franco they talk about a movie of their choice could be a classic movie could be a newish movie uh and we also to the best we can we try to sprinkle in uh reviews of things that are just coming out uh we did um i think black adam we just did wakanda forever oh by the way any have you seen wakanda forever i did i i think i liked it better than you did <laughs> I, I saw your tweet. Um, I, I I get where you're coming from. I I I I feel what you're what you're what you're saying. It, it um, but I definitely that I I I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, it yeah. it wasn't it didn't have the the charm of the first one, but um, I liked it for what it was. Yeah, I I agree. And um, and one of the things we talked about in that interview is it it was such a difficult the task that the movie demanded was very difficult, and and I don't know what if they you know whatever way they had chosen to go um if if any of us would have been left satisfied so it was, it was a very difficult situation yeah um, and i i do agree as negative as i am um i think on balance I, I do think it was a good movie um what i don't like by the way you know what, what's irritating me is something i want to get off my chest the i don't know if you spend as much time on twitter as i do but you know there's a lot of negativity out there yeah but there's also a lot of positivity that is a little is, is just as over top over the top as the negativity and and i feel like I, I get caught in the middle of of those like two two fandoms do you have any thoughts on that or am i am i nuts I, you know i i kind of lean the i i lean towards the positive i i'm very forgiving on movies um which which doesn't bode well for reviews for me but <laughs> um you know i if it entertains me, if it makes me feel good, or if it, if it grabs me, like, like I just watched the, uh, the newest uh, Fantastic Beast the other night. Yeah. I recognize it wasn't a good movie, mm -hmm. but I loved it. I, I love that world. I love everything about it. it. It pulled me in and, and I enjoyed it. And I, and I recognize that it should probably be like a one star, two star, but for me, it was a little higher. So, yeah. Um, I, and I, I'm with you there on that too. And whenever I'm watching something, um, cause I think, you know, there's been, um, people who critique YouTube people, podcast people like us, 
it's very easy um, to go through a movie mechanistically. And of course we want everything to be logical and make sense. But when you you get to the point where you, where it's a dissection and you're just like you're losing the point, right? You've you've lost yeah. you've literally lost the plot somewhere along the, along the lines. Yeah. Um, and so I agree, and I, I I do try to be. We all have our biases and stuff like that, and I do try to be conscious of like, you know, the, I like a lot of shit. I like stuff that, like you said, it it if you were to like to measure it objectively, I would probably start if I really wanted to start keeping a list. It, I'd be, you know, I'd have like twenty things, and I, and by the end, I'd be like, okay, this whole thing sucks. But um, but if you're enjoying it within the moment, uh, if you're if you're if you're connecting with the characters and you're just having a good time, then that's there's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. Uh, and uh, certainly this movie, Top Gun Maverick, if there was a movie that I connected with and enjoyed. And yeah, this is this one isn't perfect in the same way. I think we could probably find some little little flaws there. But the overall experience, Dan, what what, what are your actually let me before I before I well, I know. OK, so you tell me what was do you agree? I mean, was this just was this as one of those kinds of movies where um, you're you're just you were you rocketed out of your seat when this yeah. movie was going on yeah yeah this, this um this was it, it, it kind of came at you from two different angles like one was the nostalgia piece yeah you know especially for people 35 and up you know we we were there in in 86 87 whatever it was and yeah. i saw this in the theaters with my dad and uh, the, the original and you know so so you have that piece where you're we are connecting it to something that that's that means something to you from your youth. But this movie was really fucking good. <laughs> know, right? Those two things met together and it was just like, whoa, I was not expecting this. I've, because we've seen so many shitty sequels and that are just like nostalgia grabs. Yeah. And um, so did you kind of think you were, might go into this being like, yeah, I like the first Top Gun. And when you go back and rewatch that movie, I don't, I don't want to say it doesn't age well, but it it's more flawed than I remembered when I revisited it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so were you kind of going into the, yeah, I mean, the thing about the journey of this film, it's, I think, uh, 35 plus years since the original Top Gun. I think our, our math is somewhere around there. Yeah. And, and uh, this movie was supposed to come out, uh, I believe, May of 2020. And of course, uh, the, so, world, yeah. the world died. Um, so they, they decided, and I think, I think Tom Cruise, who's, by the way, this movie is directed by Joseph Kaczynski, but I think also co-directed by Tom Cruise. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, you can tell that he's had, he has his hand, he, he has his hand crafting, um, a lot, almost everything that he's in. He's not just, you know, for hire. Um, but they decided, um, this thing's good. And right now things are shutting down. We know what what uh warner brothers decided to do with tenant and releasing that um in july uh, i believe it was and i was actually there because i, I lived in one of the few places that, yep. that didn't completely shut down um so my wife and i went and saw tenant now i was underwhelmed by that film um but uh on the on the maverick and i also and i think i'm going to get to you know in terms of um what the spirit of this film was you know tenant wasn't the movie whatever you think of it, it wasn't the movie that made you necessarily feel good about you kind of venturing out to the theater and giving you right. a rewarding experience, you know? <laughs> it's just confusing. People are walking backwards. I don't know what they're saying, you know? But I love Christopher Nolan, but, you know, this, that one was kind of a mystery. But uh, Paramount and 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 Tom Cruise pushing, they said, let's just hold this thing back as long as we can. We know, we, we are so confident in this film. We, could, we, we can release it whenever and we'll sit on whatever we got to pay in the meantime uh, to get it done. And 
Um, and so they did. And going in, I was thinking, yeah, I, li I like Tom Cruise. You know, I generally, almost any movie you see, you're going to be entertained, whether they're great or mid or awesome. Um, and some, I I'm, I'm willing to go see them. And I liked, yeah. and I liked the first movie. And uh, I, I think the whole world kind of agreed that their socks were blown off by, by what was actually in this thing, what they yeah. actually pulled off. It, 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 it did. You know, I, I saw it, uh, I think, opening weekend. Um, I, I'm going to admit, I've seen this thing five times. <laughs> no, that's great. <laughs> um, it, 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 I paid once, but um, it, my son worked at the theater, so he got passes. And, you know, I went with a friend opening weekend, and I went with my son, and then he wanted my wife to go, so I went with them, and then he wanted his grandpa to go, so yeah. I went with them. I just kept tagging along with for the free passes. So, um, and, and every time I watched it, it, I caught something new or I caught something else. And, and it, it really was one of those ones where it's like, I, I was really just expecting a, a roller coaster popcorn movie and, and it had more to it. It had, it had, it, it elevated so far above its original, you know, I feel like, and, yeah. um, you know, the stakes were higher The you know, I've, I've had conversations with people and they, they're like, Oh, it's the same movie. It's the same plot points. Why? Because they play football on the beach with no shirts. Okay. <laughs> you, you think like, like the first movie was basically a big pissing contest between two alpha males, you know? Yeah. And, and the second, this movie, there's a reason they're a Top Gun. They're training for a specific mission that has real world stakes that people are going to live or die that nuclear, nuclear war stakes, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and everything about it drives the, the plot forward. I, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like they, you know, like you said, they, they knew how good what they had was, and they just, it's, it's amazing that they held on to it because so many other studios just pushed up to streaming to get it out there. And yeah. it's amazing that they had the patience to wait and say, we know that when we get this thing in the theaters, it's going to explode. Yeah. And all that absolutely paid off of, you know, the, on the financial side. Um, I think this is the top grossing movie of the year so far. I think it's at 1.5 billion, which nobody, <laughs> nobody thought that was going to happen. But I think what happened with this film is exactly the way what happened for a lot of people is exactly what happened for you in your situation, which is, you know, we look at um, Marvel movies and what they, they tend to front load. Right. Whatever they make, they're going to make about a third of whatever they're going to make in that opening weekend. And then it's going to drop off that that that's typical. They're so good at at their marketing and getting people engaged and excited and the rumor mill or whatever and getting everyone. I got to see this thing on the first weekend. I don't want to be left getting spoiled by anything. You know, I love the I love the brand. I'm, I'm going to go. Um, but this movie was almost kind of the opposite. It opened pretty well. But what it, but, but then it was. Oh, I. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I get out of the theater and I tell my friends and then they go see it. And then I go up, I end up going with them. And it just kept like, you know, the idea of like legs, right? People just, it just kept going. I think this was, if I'm not mistaken, it, it was um, it, Memorial Day weekend, number one. And then I think July 4th, number one, or maybe so. even Labor Day. <laughs> it was like, we were just out in the theaters forever and people just kept, kept seeing it. We just had a screening of um, of our movie, the the comedy of horrors. We, did, we finally had a chance after COVID to do our cast and crew screening, so we rented a a theater in in Annapolis, Maryland, where we shot it. And um, Top Gun Maverick was still in the theater. <laughs> it's on DVD. It's still in the theater for people to go see. And and you know it it 
and rightfully so it, it's so awesome on that big screen yeah and i think um i think that's one of the things is, is it gave getting out of i you know COVID. everything was open out of COVID, and i kind of talked about this earlier but this was kind of the movie we all needed i think um to just go and have a great freaking time um yeah. and, and i think that's what resonated so much with people i'm curious this is purely subjective um but we haven't even talked about the plot yet but <laughs> we don't have to go scene by scene but um was your experience like mine which was i don't think i've ever been in it and by the way the theater experience compared to the tv it is i don't want to say it's night and day but it is so it's it's not bad on tv by any means but it's so much better in the theater um but i've never been in a theater it was a packed house uh, and I think I saw it a week late, um, when the week after it came out, which is why we haven't been able to review this movie. Because stupid me, I think Ben Ben had seen it, and I was I think I was away on vacation, and I came back. I go, ah, you know, it's a new movie, and typically the story is with these new releases. If you don't like do a review on a new thing within the first you know ten days, then it's just like then it's old. Turned right. out it's not old for this movie at all. It's still popular, which is great. Um, this is why we've all been talking. I think internally, you me you me and Ben trying to schedule a time to do it, and so we've all been just sort of you know, champing at the bit to talk about it, but I've never been in a theater where it felt like every single person in their seat was completely in tuned with everything that was going on in the movie. They were laughing. They were dead silent. They, you know, yeah. a jet would take off and you'd hear a guy down in the third row go, ha! you know, like that. It was just that kind of a thing where you felt like you were in just like this little kind of a, a very unique experience. Did you have that same thing in the theater as well? We did the first time. I've had a couple, you know, a couple of my screenings had, uh, you know, assholes who like to talk. But oh, um, God. for the most part, the, <laughs> most of the screenings were were like that, that where yeah. people were just, especially that opening weekend, it was just that people were like, it, I, I think they expected to have fun. I don't think they expected, like, like we just said, like they, they didn't expect that. And And right out of the gate, they were like, oh, this is, Oh, this is really good. <laughs> and they were in, you know, like leaning forward in their seats or, or leaning back in their recliners, but still, you know, yeah, um, engrossed in it. So, and I think where the where parts of the movie might fall a little short here and there, things are a little maybe too believable. You're already by the time that happens, you're already so bought in, you don't yeah. care, you know. Um, all right, so let's get into the film. Uh, the plot synopsis on IMDb, which, by the way, uh, this movie is an eight point four rating on IMDb, which I think is. It's somewhere in the 80s in the IMDb uh, top 50. I just had this year. Um, number 81 all time, just behind Once Upon a Time in America and just ahead of Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> wow. And it's it's 99 audience score, 96 on the tomato meter. So yeah. it's uh, critics and fans. So Like this one, you just could this thing was a force of nature, if we haven't said this <laughs> enough. <laughs> it just could not be denied by anyone. And I think even critics who were not inclined not typically inclined to like this kind of a movie. And you hear a little bit of things about, uh, you know, like the militarism, uh, the patriotism, you know, there's like, a, I think I read a little bit from people on Twitter saying this is kind of a, uh, an advertisement for the military industrial complex. <laughs> and you just read that, you're like, okay, I mean, I, I, I guess. But... And that, and that's definitely what the first one was. It, it was yeah. purely just, I mean, they're, they're the, the, the Navy's in, enrollment or, or recruitment numbers spiked through the roof in yeah. the late eighties because of that. But like I said, I felt like this had more to it than just, just who, ah, uh, look how fucking awesome we are. It, yeah. it had, it had story. It had character depth. It had, you know, um, you know, 
just just all that weight to it. The movie has a very simple premise, which is the redemption of Pete Maverick. Yep. That's the movie. And then and then what it does is it, is it takes that core idea and then as we're getting there, it just digs deeper and deeper and deeper. And like you said, the first movie was just about Top Gun, the school itself. It was about who's better, who who who's the right. bigger badass. And at the end of the day, you don't really care all that much about who wins, right? It doesn't matter because they're all great pilots or whatever. And so it, the only thing, what really made with that movie though was, of course, the death of Goose, which was. If you see, even if you think Top Gun is the cheesiest movie of all time, the the goose death is so emotional. Yeah, yeah, and, and it and it brings the you know I mean they took the one part of that that had that weight to it and used it to they leveraged it for this one. Right, that is the stepping stone for or the the launching point for what what do we do with 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 Pete Maverick the character 30, 30 years later as a as the plot synopsis says he's still pushing the envelope as a top naval aviator but must confront the ghost of his past when he leads top guns elite graduates on a mission that demands the ultimate sacrifice for those chosen to fly it and so here's this guy he's i would assume um thinking about this chronologically because I, I was i was i was watching this with my wife uh, who she, she loves the film um and she's she's actually seen it more times than me. Um, but when I watch movies with her, she she pauses a lot and asks me a lot of questions. Um, so so it took us. We watched this last night, and I think this is a two hour and ten minute movie. It took us four hours to watch the movie, um, which is fine. I love I love you, sweetheart. <laughs> so keep, keep the questions coming. Uh, but she said, "What? How how real is the time passing in this movie?" And I think it's like, in other words, how old is how old is Tom Cruise? How old is Pete Mitchell? And I assume it's it's close to a one to one. What do you, what do you think? Pretty close. I, I think Pete's supposed to be a, a little bit younger than Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'd say in, uh, his, in his 50s, you'd say, right? Yeah, because they, they wouldn't have, even even for test piloting, he wouldn't be in his in his 60s. You know, I mean, I, what is Tom Cruise? He's 58, 59? or 9, yeah. So I, I feel like they're they're playing a little loose and they're putting him around 55-ish. Okay, but close enough. Yeah. Yeah, and so and as we said, it's a, it's a, it's a redemption story. They pull that, they pull that great thread uh, from the first movie, which is also why, why does he need redemption? Why does, why does Pete Mitchell need redemption? He just never got over the death of his friend, right? Yeah. That that's, that's the motivating point of this film. Um, and it, and I think, I don't know what you think, but um, he, he's confronted by the Ed Harris character saying you're a captain, right? By now you should be a two-star admiral, I think he says, or or at least, or a senator, right? And you've never advanced in 30 years. Why do you think that is, Dan? It's exactly what you said. He he never got over losing Goose. He never got over the guilt. Um, And then again, you know, they they let us know that that Meg Ryan's character died, which um, was surprising that they didn't, you know, they took that route with her as well. But, um, to me, to not bring her back, to not bring her back, but yeah. to have her die and to have him, you know, do this thing, pull pull the 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 application for Annapolis from from Rooster. Yeah. Um. So now he's not only lost the father, he's lost the son, and I think I think it's just one of those things. He's he's constantly just um, feeling like he 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 wasn't enough, or he wasn't, you know. So he's got to continually push the envelope, push the envelope, and. Uh, and it, it's why I think, you know, Iceman was enough. He settled down. He had the whole family. He had the whole, 
you know, people were like, well, why didn't, why didn't they bring back um, Kelly McGillis or Charlie? And because if he would have stayed with Charlie, he would have, that, that relationship was doomed because he was never going to feel like he, he was satisfied in his life or, or, or enough. Um, so, so he's not going to be the guy that settles down and, and becomes the grandfather and, you know, <laughs> the same way that, that Iceman did. Yeah. And um, he kind of, he kind of hates himself for it a little bit, doesn't yeah. he? That he didn't have the life that he expected or someone of his talent could have had. Right. And did he, did he say, so no matter what they, they cleared him of the, when they went in that flat spin and, and the, in the cockpit um, didn't pop. Right. Um, Goose banged his neck and all that. Um, did he say, screw it. I'm going to just, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to sit in a plane and be the best I can possibly be in a plane. Because if I do that, um, then I can somehow cope, you know, I, I'm not going to make any mistakes. I can be the very best on the planet and that will kind of make me feel better about, cause he doesn't, he knows, he feels like he did make a mistake. Um, is, is, is that part of it that I'm just going to bury myself in a cockpit and that's all I'm going to do with my life. And, and for the record, it was Iceman's fault. Goose died. <laughs> he did. Yeah, he, he wouldn't did. get the hell out of there. Yeah, that's true. But um, yeah, I, I think that, I think that's exactly it. He, he can't, he can't teach. He can't, he, you know, like you said, he, he, First time around, he went back and and was at Top Gun, and he he was gone in a couple months. He he's not that guy. He's he just wants to be up there, full full afterburner, full throttle, you know. And and so test pilot, you know, of of like whatever the next generation thing, like where they start the movie, that the perfect place for him. Yeah, and you said Iceman, of all people, you know, he really wasn't a bad guy, and he actually. He was just more of an antagonist, um, and he actually, of all of everyone, he had the best kind of sense of, of them and lived the best life. Yeah, uh, but he also knew, and he was such a, a good person that he knew the value of Maverick and continually bailed him out for thirty yeah. years over his career. And that was, you know, just just um, seeing, having watched the Val documentary and seeing seeing how they handled that whole situation was, I mean, that was beautiful. Oh and, yeah. And I'm I'm shocked. Actually, I saw the uh, the for your consideration ad that that Paramount put out for Top Gun Maverick, and and they they split it. They they're promoting Tom Cruise for lead and um, uh, Miles Teller for supporting. They they're not putting Val Kilmer up for supporting. And I feel like that would have been a slam dunk nomination right there. I feel yeah. like just that little bit that he did was was so beautiful and and. It really sucks that they're not, you know, they're not pushing that. It would be nice if they did because he certainly put a lot, you know, he put everything he had into, even for those, you know, what is it? Two minutes, five minutes of a scene. It is so powerful and so strong. Um, This is also a way of of storytelling where you get bought into the characters. And so everything they do just means that much more. Um, You know, it's so interesting. I, 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 I shouldn't think of this, but, Val Kilmer was like, I guess what I want to say is, you know, death and sickness and age and stuff comes for all of us, even the yeah. most talented, the like, you know, it, it's almost like growing up as I wanted to be Iceman. I didn't even want to be Maverick. I was like, Iceman is the, the coolest in the world. <laughs> if I could be Iceman and look like Iceman, I would be awesome. But the real Iceman, you know, as he gets older, he gets, he, he's not Iceman anymore. You know what I'm trying to, you know what I mean? It, it's, it was like that kind of a smack in the face for me. Yeah. You know, the, um, 
and he's someone that I've been a fan of for a very, very long time because yeah. you know, uh, uh, Real Genius and mm-hmm. uh, Top Secret and- And I love uh, The Saint. <laughs> this, uh, I, I actually, I, I recently saw it again. It doesn't hold up. No, no, uh, okay. really freaking <laughs> bad, but I loved it at the time. Um, yeah. And of course, uh, Doc Holliday and, and Tombstone. It, oh yeah, and I liked his Batman, so. Yeah. So it it in watching that documentary was really damn hard to see, you know, this person that's been someone that I looked up to for, you know, since I was in middle school, you know, um, yeah. see him going, you know, go have this all happen to him and, and, and take the thing that he was most comfortable doing away from him. Exactly. You know? so, which is what made that scene even better is that he still got to do it. Yeah. Oh, agree 100%. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's that tragedy. And it's, it's sort of like we imagine. I know you're an actor, so I know you've you've run in uh, you know much more uh, higher circles than me. But um, you you imagine these people as as immortal in their own way. Um, yeah. You know, even when I see Jimmy Stewart in in an old movie, I just still think of him as you know he's dead now. But I I, I see him as that person on screen. He's still very much alive to me. If that makes right. if that makes sense, yeah. Um, and so yeah, I would encourage everyone to check out uh, Val if they haven't. Um, for sure. I think that's on Amazon. I believe. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so great. Oh, by the way, so um, let's just let's go back just a second to this opening scene, this test flight. Right. Jesus Christ, man. And you know what I love about what they do about this movie is is they they play with it does such a good job of pulling you back to liking this character. Yeah. And so when there's there's a little quip about I think they have to get to Mach 10 and then the uh, I, I don't know. I forget the character's name. Um, he's like the general or, or someone there on on. Um, on the field he's like not 10.1 not Tondo, yeah and we know we just it communicates instantly yes this is our maverick he's going to push it to the absolute limit and everyone's just kind of tired of his bullshit but yeah. they love him you know and that's really the charm of the character he kind of takes advantage of everyone takes it a little too far but we but we like him for who he is because he typically succeeds and he's not doing it from any kind of malice other than to push his own capabilities and to further whatever goal he has and, and and he says that he's not 10.1 and they get to 10 and it doesn't back down. And that guy has a moment. He's like, Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of my favorite moments of the movie. That, and he, his performance was, was really great. And, and they use him. Um, and that's Bashir uh, Saludin. Um, yes. Plan Hondo. And uh, he, you know, he's, he's now taken that place of goose, you know, like that, that seems to be the person who has, has been along the journey with Maverick all along the way. And, and, and they said, you know, they, they're using our expectations as an audience against us, you know, Mm -hmm. because we, 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 we're expecting the sacrifice play. We're expecting, you know, that Maverick is going to, to sacrifice himself to save Rooster you know, at feeling, feeling this guilt and feeling all this stuff that his whole story is leading up to him taking the missile so that Rooster can get home. Oh, and, spoiler um, alert, man. We're nowhere near there. We're <laughs> not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but Hondo, like, like when, you know, when, when they're going toward the, the supersonic plane and they have a great moment together, I, you know, I don't look that look on your face and they repeat yeah. it a little later. Yeah. Um, and that's the person that's, that's, that's his, that's his, um, his wingman now, you know, yeah. um, and and I just thought that they they in a little bit of screen time they they built a really great history and relationship between those two characters. Yeah, and it shows that Maverick isn't just uh, great points. Maverick isn't just a cocky fighter pilot. 
he is an indomitable force mm-hmm. over decades. That that's kind of something that's cemented too. I mean, he's still here doing um, all this crazy stuff, uh, and he's earned the respect and hatred across uh, the entire military establishment. <laughs> and what's so cool about this film? Um, let's let's talk about the filming in a second because um, this is a this is uh, in this I forget what they called it an X ten something rather. This is black plane. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, but from what I understand, the way they filmed a lot of this was that. Now that plane does not exist. That was for the movie. Right. Uh, but Dark they star, I think. Yeah, Dark like Star. There you go. Yeah, the Dark Star program. Um, which actually, real quick, one of the one of the we should hit the, the one of the themes of the movie that they need to that, that is fleshed out really early on this is this idea of advancing technology making men obsolete. Right. And what a, a lot of the one of the big themes of this film too, beyond just that simple idea of redemption, is the idea of it's the relationship between man and machine. And a man pushing machine beyond its uh, its its stated official capabilities, and what really can be done when when good men and women um, can can train and learn and push themselves to heights that no one thinks that they can do, where you just assume that it's the impossible. Um, yeah, any anything on that or no? Yeah, I mean, I mean, they they say it multiple times. It's it's the pilot in the box, the man in the box. It, yeah. it's not about the. You know that the, the, the technology is going to cancel itself out, and and it's about who who's there running the plane, and uh, um, and he's he's always you know in this world he's always been the the big dog. Yeah. So this film opens with this test scene, and from what I know, they they used an actual plane flying with a CGI skin. I think is how they did this. Gotcha. And you can tell. It feels so real, right? If you if I didn't tell you that, you would think that they made a plane for the movie. Yeah, <laughs> you know, in a sense, and that's what I think. That's the, the practical. There is lots of CGI in this movie, but you never really feel any of it, do you? No, um, and and that's going back. Um, I recently, somewhere around seeing this movie, I I watched the the first Top Gun again. Um, it, oh, sorry, after seeing. Maverick I I rewatched Top Gun and and there is a disconnect like like you can tell oh they're just sitting on a in, in a green screen or they're just sitting on a tarmac you know as opposed to this movie where you can see the forces you can see the g-forces pulling their face back you know it's it's insane every know, actor like, got into a cockpit in this film yeah. uh and Tom Cruise wanted to fly an f-18 and they wouldn't let him and they um and the actors were even uh they had to be trained on on cinematography because they were using whatever the little you know they're sitting in the back seat of of these F18s and and they had to frame the shot and and deal with lighting and all of that and you know there's glare over here so I got to can't put the camera there I got to put it over here or whatever it might be and um so so it just it just seems like um First of all, every every actor on that on that crew should be up for stunt. Um, oh, yeah, you know, stunt performer too, and uh, and, and uh, they not, all you know, uh, yeah. up their own shots. It's yeah, it's so much work put in. And actually, if you want to learn a little bit more about that, not to plug another show, but I will because I uh, he he's been on here before. And I'm a fan of his uh, Robert Meyer Burnett. Uh, he interviewed the stunt coordinator for Top Gun Maverick. So I think if you head to his uh, YouTube channel, you can find that there. I encourage everyone cool. to check that out. Um, the, the way I, I remember the conversation, it they set things up. It's like 
if you could do this, you can do anything in your life, right? If you could set up the filming of this movie, it is just such a, a technical achievement, um, I think, of, of filmmaking. And, and I think that's one of the things that comes through. As you said, the top, in, in the first Top Gun, yeah, they're just sitting in a, in a cockpit with a green screen behind them. Yeah. That's really all it is. None of that's ever happening. And, all, and in fact, when you watch the movie, you start seeing repeat footage. Like, oh, I saw this, yeah. I saw this five minutes ago. It's like uh, the old Battlestar Galactica. You saw the same Cylon <laughs> ship blow up every single episode because yeah. that was the footage they had. Um, and I think they used, I think they used RC models um, for for a lot of the original Top Gun. Uh, whereas as this one, they the real the real thing, you know, the real F-18s, the real uh, real real planes. So in this, so they actually they kicked this movie off with a, a sort of nostalgia porn with the original movie on the, the aircraft carrier right with kenny with, loggins with, with the, the harold um faltzheimer or whatever uh, uh theme the top gun themes yeah into, into the danger, into danger zone. zone yeah and you get the guys doing the thumbs up and all that and it's just like okay that's that movie and then we fast forward to this test sequence which happens like as the sun is rising um yeah i just thought it was gorgeous and i think <laughs> i think everyone thinks it's gorgeous um and the ed harris character comes in who's going to shut down the program because he wants to run drones instead of these manned aircraft that's the future you got to deal with it um it's great to see where, where maverick takes off on the plane and ed harris is standing there as the as he gets the um the draft from the plane oh man he must have been really bracing himself for that scene that shot right um now maverick of course he gets to the mach 10 but he pushes it a little too far as we mentioned earlier crashes the plane ejects lands up ends up in idaho who knows where the hell yeah, he is yeah i mean they they launch in what california and he he probably lands in i mean they they show the map i couldn't quite tell but it's somewhere out there in the you know idaho dakota somewhere in there <laughs> he walks in the, there's one of the funniest lines and he's like he grabs a cup of water it's just so deadpan and, the, and there's a line with the kid who's like where am I? And he's like, Earth. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's in a spacesuit, essentially. Um, and that's where we get where, I mean, I think what's going on here is the 30 years of of Maverick um, really being unable to deal with his his guilt and, and his remorse and not being able to make things right. It's finally come to a head. At the end of his career, he's, he's really at the end of his rope because not only is he pissed enough people off, but he's getting old and his job is, is yeah. kind of become non-essential. Right. Yep. Um, and so, and, but with Kazansky, Iceman gives him his final lifeline, which is to go back to top gun school. Before, uh, before we jump on though, yeah, like that, that scene where they're, you know, where they're working up to Mach 10 and there's this massive, like beautiful shot, you know, and I'm sure part of it is CGI and, and, but it, it, it doesn't look it. And it's this, the plane just kind of, you know, going into a, a high G turn, picking up speed and, and the score and the, and the visuals and all of it, that there's so much emotional weight um, with the character and, and just what, what they're throwing at you. And it, it just was, it was a beautiful opening to this movie. That's a great point. You mentioned the, not only it's the score and the soundtrack were both spot on yeah. in this film. Um, and so Hans Zimmer and he, he I mean, I think they credited all three of them, Hans Zimmer and Harold Faltermeyer. And um, am, am I getting that right? Was that him? I don't know. Um, <laughs> we'll go I'm going to look it up. 
because I don't want to I don't want to get the wrong person. I know that Harold Faltermeyer was Axel F from uh, um, Beverly Hills Cop, but I think he also did this um, back in the original and and Lady Gaga. They so they gave all three of them the soundtrack um, credit, the, the score credit. Yeah, and it makes sense. And it, it yeah. is is that Harold, right? Harold Faltermeyer. Good. We want to make sure we're correct on that. We don't want anybody to hate on us. <laughs> uh, it, it is so moving. And as you mentioned, um, you mentioned the emotion. Um, and it, it's it, that, that kind of triggered something in me when you say that. This film, unlike many films, and I think what makes this film work so well is that it is, yes, at its heart, just an action movie, but it really does evoke so many yep. emotions throughout the film you have you have joy you have sadness you have longing you have regret you have that hurrah it, you know you kind of you have, you have tension it, you really kind of feel the whole range of emotions with this movie yeah um, and, and and that's not really usually a, a a hallmark of tom cruise but but i think that I think they know that we have that this character means a lot to us because we grew up with Maverick and and we've watched Top Gun over and over and over through the 90s and the 2000s and 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 so we care about the character and so so I think they handle it in a way that that um you know evokes that in us. You get the sense that the movie was crafted to make you happy, right? Yeah. You you feel like you really it really does come across. We see some things where they're divisive. Um, and then the studio will come out and, and, you know, say something about the fans or whatever. And this movie, there's nothing to be, there's nothing to be mad about in this film. There's nothing to, to tick you off. It felt like it was crafted with great care to make, just to make you happy. And you get that little message from Tom Cruise in the beginning of the film, just saying, you know, I love you. I made it with you in mind. I want you to have a good time. Yeah. I just, just, just enjoy it. And you're like, you're almost put at ease by it because, you know, the way we are with a lot of films and fandom and stuff, it's it's almost contentious off the bat. Um, and, and this one just just sidestepped it and said, please love it. I don't care who you are. Just yeah. <laughs> you know, have yeah. a good time. <laughs> um, so, but it, and it was it was funny that, you know, when people talk about that, the beats sometimes mirror. So here you have this this bold admiral or or ship captain dressing down Maverick for being a, just a screw up. And then sending them back to Top Gun. <laughs> it's, it's the same as as when they when they do the flyby and 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 use the plane to bring Cougar in, in the first movie, and this bald guy is yelling at them, and then sends them to Top Gun. Yeah, he was he was the principal in um, uh, Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blacker. <laughs> uh, and so he's sent back to Top Gun, which he where he doesn't want to go. He's got he's you know he's got lots of lots of emotional troubles with that and and baggage, uh, which leads me to Penny. Uh, he ends up in that bar with Penny. Now, I, from what I understand, canonically, she was referenced in the first Top Gun. It I don't was. Remember, I don't in that, that scene where the where the guy is yelling at her. She says, "You you've done X number of of flyby of of high speed passes at at two towers and one admiral's daughter." And who's Goose leans and says, "Penny Benjamin." He's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> "So they so they pulled that name out of the out of the old script and said exactly to, to craft a a, a new character." Well, uh, apparently an existing character but n- new to us character really um what did you talk a little bit about this relationship uh the romance in this film how did it how did how much how did it work and did anything not work for you what, what are your thoughts 
it it did work for me because it seemed like um like i said before you know i know a lot of people were were salty that that charlie um uh kelly mcgillis's character didn't come back but like i said it didn't seem like maverick was the settle down kind of person so it makes sense that he and charlie wouldn't have worked out he'd have been back in the plane she'd have been off to whatever in 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 dc that she was doing mm -hmm. um and it just seems like he would have people that come in and out of his life and it seems like penny they they, they set it up that she's kind of been someone that's come in and out of his life multiple times through the years and and it did feel I, I don't want to say it was cheap because because like I said I, I felt the whole time that they were setting us up for for the sacrifice play so yeah. when he finally tells her I'm never I'm never walking out I'm never going out the window again I'm not I'm not leaving you again um that that's all over and and then it it, it felt like he was supposed to die on that last mission um a little manipulative a little bit but 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 not because you feel like he would have when he when he did that move which holy shit that was cool with the <laughs> the f-18 coming up and over the canopy and blowing off the the flares yeah. that was badass um and it, when he did that you've you've truly felt like maverick had made his peace he was willing to make that play he was willing to die in order for for Bradley to live. And so it doesn't feel cheap. When the character has earned it to me, I don't feel like I got manipulated because, because the character went through all the steps to get to that place. The fact that they didn't actually die, that's a little bit of plot armor, but that's not on the character. That that you know, that it felt earned still yeah. to me. It's funny, my wife said it's a great story and they all lived. <laughs> and yeah. she was so happy for that kind of a thing. Uh yeah, yeah, I agree on all points. And yes, she she turns up like a bad penny. Um, <laughs> but but not in a bad way, not in a bad way. It was there as a reminder for him for the, the the thing that he lost in his life in in a path that you know that could have been his daughter, right? Or maybe should have been his daughter, because he turned away from something that was very real. Uh their chemistry is Oh, her daughter not her not okay gotcha <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that that could he could have been you know, he never was a father you know that that could right. have been him you know his family kind of a thing right, at least right, that's right. the way i saw it um and he didn't have to be necessarily sneaking around he could have been living in you know these by the way these san diego houses that they show in both of these yeah. movies like i want to live in all of them <laughs> and i love the girl calls him out she's like don't hurt her again yeah you know like um you know i had to pick i had to pick her up last time after you left I love that too. That was great. Yeah, this was after he uh, jumped out of the second story window <laughs> to not get caught. Um, and it's and it's another like like one of those things where they they hit us with the nostalgia because Jennifer Connelly, for those of us who grew up on Labyrinth and Beautiful Mind and you know Higher Education, oh, she's been around for a, she's been a crush for a long time. So yeah, pairing those two up was was really really awesome. Like great move. Yeah, I agree. And I think um I think the romance was just enough to get us to buy in. Uh yeah. and then the scenes that the scenes they had together were just sprinkled in here and there. And you have that wonderful um sequence where they're on the sailboat. And it's yeah. it you know, in a way, the movie itself is rom is romantic. Not yeah. like I don't mean just pure, you know, um human to human romance, but the movie itself has a romantic feel to it. You know, it's sort of lyrical. It just kind of plays with the visual and the emotions yep. all the way through. Um, and I think seeing that 
I think she was a very necessary character um, for him in the way and to show that human connection to him rather than just him um, riding his machine for 30 years. Right. Get somebody else, get with a, get with a girl. Um, so, so the big thing that I hear from people that, that they're like, uh, and, and my wife is, um, she's not as big of a fan of the movie, but she's also, she's watched a lot of Scientology document documentaries. So she's, oh, yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. on the, on the edge with Tom, Tom Cruise. She's not a, um, she used to be a huge fan. And, um, but, but like, why did it have to be great, great balls of fire again? You know, when, when in, in the bar, what some of the moments are too, too echoey, but I do at the same time feel like they did a really good job of showing Bradley in that original scene, you know, sitting on the piano while his father's playing that song. And so that would be a, a core memory for him. You know, like, like going back to, to Inside Out, that would be like one of those core memories of his dad playing that song a couple of days before he died and sitting there in that bar and hearing them all sing and this, this happy memory. So I guess it makes sense that he would, he would go to that, you know. Um, it's, it is a little on the nose. Um, yeah. And they kind of, they don't really play it. You don't hear it. You hear it the way Tom Cruise hears it after he gets kicked out of the bar for having his credit card maxed out, uh, which is, um, you hear some music and then, oh, that's great balls of fire. And then you look in. And so I agree, a bit on the nose, but it still kind of works because yeah. like you said, he has that memory. I'm sure his mom told him, your dad used to play this for me all the time. Um, but we really haven't even talked about Miles, My Miles Teller as Rooster. Yeah. Um, he could be Anthony Edwards' son, 100%. Especially there were a couple scenes in the third act um, when they were in, when they, you know, spoiler, they get to the F-14 and he's in the back seat with, with Maverick. There are a couple of times when, when he had the helmet on and it looked exactly like Anthony Edwards. Yeah. I mean, so. And he's and a fantastic he just, Yeah. He has inspired some horrible mustaches um, <laughs> all around the country right now. So thank you for that, Miles. Uh, yeah, he he's great in everything he's in. Um, and the the, inter, the 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 tension between him and Maverick is done so well between both actors. Um, and so we're left because he, he's sort of, he's like Maverick screwed me. He pulled my papers at the academy. Um, and Maverick, as I think as you mentioned, Maverick can't really he doesn't know how to deal with this because the reason why he pulled the papers was at the request. Of Rooster's mother, um, and his her kind of like dying wish essentially was that he doesn't end up like his father and dead. She'd wanted to wanted to protect him, uh, and Maverick can't say that because then it'll soil his memory, Rooster's memory of his mom, um, and so that really Maverick doesn't know what to do with this kid, yeah. and he didn't even want him. He, he didn't even in the initial briefing with John Hamm. Um, he didn't even want him to be in the program for that same reason to put him at risk. Yeah. And, and, um, and I thought that was really cool that, you know, because, because of how old the original movie is and we see this kid established in that movie as probably a three or four year old yeah. at that point, he's going to be older than the core group of pilots. So they had to find a way to make that character a little bit older. And I thought that was really smart the way they, they did that, that, that he had to first go off and do other things. And then he could come back and, and apply it. Yeah. Cause I think in the, in the Navy, if you are in for two or four years, then you can apply back to the Academy. And, um, 
And so that it was the point when he would he would have been about four years behind his peers. Yeah, um, it explains why he's lagging them. Yeah. Yeah. And then then it also would give him a chip on his shoulder um why people might look at him like as you're not as good as us because we sailed right through um we got a head start on you and you know yeah we're four years four years younger or whatever it is um who's the old man in the room here <laughs> what's he doing yeah. uh let's Which, talk about oh go ahead i was gonna say the 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 whole training seg- segment when they first get to top gun and uh and and maverick is just testing them all out um <laughs> That whole thing set to uh, what is it, Baba O'Reilly? Um, or um, we won't get fooled again. Yeah. Um, God, that scene is it's just musically and visually is so freaking good. Uh, so, yeah. And oh, by the way, we didn't mention um, which I, which I also like in the movie. They they describe the mission, um, which okay. is you you have to run through a, the the Death Star trench, <laughs> and that <laughs> and hit a a a. a a hole no more than three meters. Uh, <laughs> I mean, about the size of a womp rat. We used to shoot them back home. <laughs> yeah. Oh, does that bother you at all? Or are you, you cool? Um it? it didn't it didn't initially. Um, so I'm not gonna let it now. You know, yeah. like it it definitely kind of has that um parallel, but but in the moment I was in, so yeah. I didn't even even recognize that. I caught it much later. So it's like, okay. <laughs> okay yeah i mean it's definitely uh inspired by let's say although the one thing i would say if you're gonna argue in favor of it is it's showing you how to well they 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 take that concept and they actually ratchet it up because not only do you have to it's not even a a narrow trench it's a winding trench right and then you got to kick it up flip up down or flip upside down dive bomb and then pull nine plus g's out um so it so that so they, they at least they added a complication but it also i think hits back with the theme where whereas luke needed the force um this is more like people actually doing it um with their physical ability and skills um right. so i kind of like that bit about it um but yeah and rooster doesn't use the targeting computer <laughs> let go let go of your feelings i did i i heard in a podcast with um with one of the marine pilots who is the the one of the leads at actual top gun right now and he was oh. saying that uh you know basically the main reason they had to use the f-18 in this is because um they needed a two-seater pilot a two-seater plane because the the 22s and the 35s are one-seaters um and they needed to be able to put a, a real pilot up front and the fake pilot in, in order the back to film so it, they can yeah. film them um so they had to find a reason to use the f-18 and so they used the the um i think they said radar jamming or something like that uh as as that reason and he said but that that move that pop up and the inversion into the into the bombing run he's he says that's that's legit he goes that's that's something we do because um because you don't go weightless at the top of your arc you know you you that's basically you come over and and you're you're locked in because of the G's pulling you into your seat and you're immediately able to, to, to be on target. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't even like going on roller coasters. Imagine that. Um, What's actually, that's awesome info. And then interestingly, um, I want to ask you this, uh, or just made me think of this in the movie. They mentioned, yeah, they, they logic out why they have to use the older generation planes Um, throughout the movie. The, the naval brass will say something like we can't go we're going to be going up against fifth generation fighters it's fifth generation fighter and they say this over and over and over again 
this was a spot where my wife paused the movie and said, what the hell is a fifth generation fighter? Um, did you feel like they could have explained what the hell that means to a general audience there? Yeah. Um, I, I don't really know. I, I just assume the fifth generation is just, you know, <laughs> the newest, bad, baddest, you know, um, I guess they got it, but they could have, they could have, you know, spent a little bit more time on that, but I guess they didn't feel they needed to. Um, I, I just don't feel like there was a lot of wasted um, scenes or um, this, I, I feel like this script moved through really, really cleanly. There wasn't a lot of, there weren't scenes that I was like, ah, we could have done without that. Or that, that was, that was filler or, or superfluous. You know, it, it, everything moved it forward. And so I, I guess they just figured, man, we don't need to explain it. We're just, People will assume that these are better than the eight teams that were flying. Yeah, but it's just like, what's a fourth generation fighter? If I'm afraid yeah. of the fifth, but anyways, okay, so no big deal there. Um, well, the plot wise, they said yeah, it was GPS jamming, and also um, they're just they have to fly inferior planes, which I thought maybe is sort of plot wise too. Which was we need the man to we need someone good enough for plot reasons. We need to use the fourth generation flighters, but also with people who are good enough to do it, which is our you know, which is Maverick um, kind of a thing. Um, so that, so, and then yes, we get to the training. He's knocking them all down and they bet, what is it? 200 pushups. So all you see is basically just, you know, cut back and forth between him saying, got you. And them all, them all doing pushups, which is just glorious because they think he's just some washed up kind of old man that can't keep up and he's smoking them. Yeah. And and I love, I love Hondo again. He's like, it was all fun until you got the selfie into it. Wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's perfect um and so we push we're pushing on um and we got to get to this we got to get to unnamed country with the we got to fly what is it no higher than 300 feet i think it is otherwise you trigger the anti-aircraft 100 something like yeah really really low really low going around this canyon uh and and maverick kind of screws up again because he once again, <laughs> I love it. Gets kicked off because uh, Kazanski finally, um, unfortunately, passes. Yeah, a nice scene there. Uh, and then John Hamm takes over and says, "You're out." Uh, yeah. And not only are you out, because one of the issues that they have is that it's really hard to find any of these people who can fly this mission. When the uh, I believe it was two and a half minutes uh, to run the canyon and, and do the bombing run, Brewster is struggling. He's doing it right, but he's doing it slowly. Right. Uh, and then when Maverick gets kicked out, John Hamm comes in and says uh we're not doing it in two and a half we're doing it in four minutes or something and and, and higher and yeah and we're gonna go we're gonna fly higher and everybody the audience the characters the movie says this is not good <laughs> it's not gonna work if i if i have one complaint about the movie and and i love john ham i think he's a phenomenal actor i think they they gave his character a little bit of one note um and that's i hate maverick and and it never really got past that until the end um and and i don't know it, it just felt a little un un i get it this guy's a screw up you don't want him on your mission but th it didn't feel as as organic as the rest of the movie to me yeah i think i would agree with that too he's just it, he's every scene is the same with him um he hate he, i hate maverick that's it that's my mission in life <laughs> i have no right. other motivation my character has not has nothing to it other than hating maverick and he, like, like he's I, said, a great actor, I, but, yeah. I still think he's great i still think he's great in this movie i i just um i wish they would have given him a little bit more more to work with by the way as you know he's in a fletch remake yes have you seen it i haven't but you i gotta but see it it's really good 
that seems like he, he seems just like like the perfect match for that kind of uh, dry, dry humor. Yeah, he's genuinely hilarious. The movie, uh, it, I don't know if anybody saw, I just came across it. Um, I don't, I think it was out in theaters for like two days and it's somewhere. Um, but uh, I recommend that one to anyone, especially if you've seen, even if you, you know, if you've seen the um, Chevy Chase Fletch, it just keeps right. to it. So uh, recommended. So we got to go do this bombing run. Um, wh- I mean, it gets to be oh so Maverick steals the plane. You interrupted me, man. I need to kill my train of thought. So Maverick steals Maverick steals the F-18 <laughs> and proves that it can be done. And I think this just wins every everybody over. Um, yeah. As bad as it was, you know, I could court martial you now, but and there's this tension between letting and you know accomplishing the mission. Uh, but John the John Ham character seems to not care that if anyone dies either. Um, yeah. Anyone comes home from this. Um, and so he just wants to think bombed and that's it. That's, that's the mission. Um, getting everyone home is not the mission for him. Um, and so we're running all these simulations and finally uh, it can be done. And now it's time to pick your team. We're going to, we're going to run through it. And it happens really quickly because I guess whatever the unnamed country was, is, uh, is getting to that point now. Where yeah. They moved be... up their timeline. Yeah. Um... And now it's time, for, as you said, it, it, we mentioned earlier, it's time for goodbyes. He comes in and his, uh, his dress whites, into the bar says goodbye to penny and it it works great right and he yeah. picks rooster for his team uh, over hangman who we didn't talk about too much glenn powell who's just i mean he's the perfect douche yeah <laughs> is there a better douche completely than- <laughs> um i mean he, he just has that just cocky um cocky air to him you know just just completely cut from the Iceman cloth yeah and uh which is a great cloth because the guy is actually is not the asshole you think he is. I think that's what I love so much about really, I mean, it's kind of a derivative of, of Iceman, but he's just a cocky son of a bitch. But you know what? When something needs to be done, he's going to do it. And that's a lot. And that's where his confidence derives from. It's his belief in himself, knowing that he can do it. And is actually concerned that people on his team or people that he's around with may not be able to do it, not just to put them down, which he does and tries to get an edge yeah. over, but he actually does care about um, completing the mission. And and this is how good the, the third act of this movie is, is that that guy, the, the, the alpha dog gets put on backup um, patrol, backup uh, yeah. plane. Yeah, he's grounded. Yeah. And we we forget about it because so much shit happens that we forget <laughs> that that dude's on standby for when shit goes wrong. And so right up to the point where we think, oh, shit, they might actually die. And then this guy comes out of nowhere and, and you know, started to jump to the end, but but blows up the last plane. I'd for, I completely forgot that that hangman was on was on standby. You yeah. Know, and I'm, on paper, so it's com- yeah. caught up. It's completely predictable, right? Yeah, you know, but you you're you're right. You're so you're, you're invested by like into the second that you're not thinking, oh yeah, some guy's just gonna come and save them, you know, yeah. kind of. And then so much stuff happens sort of in between, which is um, great. The, the the criticism as we mentioned with roosters, he's going too slow, and as they're in this bombing run, it's happening again. Yeah. Uh, and then he finally, I, I don't remember exactly what kicks it into him, but he goes, and then he's screaming. 
they complete the mission and then the, the, and then the the, the anti-aircraft rockets go flying there's these two other bogeys that are um that are off that suddenly that they didn't expect these patrol planes now they're on their way uh and everyone's getting out and it, they're they're in this dog fight now with those fifth generation fighters <laughs> and so is there anything cooler than when a missile is shot by the enemy and they deploy those uh combat. oh my god those are the coolest things in the world. <laughs> it it is so cool um and like i said and then there's the the, the shot where where maverick's plane goes up and over the canopy of yeah. of goose of uh rooster's <laughs> goose, rooster's plane and it's shooting the the flares off as it goes um no that is that is so just such a cool visual and and the fact that it's real is even cooler yeah. um but what I love about I, so many filmmakers want to put us in the middle of it and the shaky camera. And I love the filmmakers that will step back and give us kind of the scope of the battle. And there's a couple of times in this where they go wide and you see five or six F-18s or four F-18s flipping around with the missiles coming in and the other two planes coming through. So um, it's really cool to, to get just kind of give the scope of of what we're we're looking at and then go back in close. Yeah, it's absolutely glorious. And by the way, I think the best shot of the entire film, I think it was in the trailer when uh just going back a second, don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but when Tom Cruise takes off the aircraft carrier is the best shot of the movie, I think. Um just seeing him take off and then when he gets off the ship and it just the it just you see you feel the yeah. the plane bounce and then it's just like the aircraft carrier is disappearing into the distance. It's just like, I went back and rewound it. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> this is real. Well, and, and right before that though, like there's the whole thing. He's, he's down in the underside, under, under part of the, um, of the carrier and, and the, the other uh, Admiral, the one that's more sympathetic um, warlock yeah. um, comes up and he's like, you're where you belong. This is, this is where you belong. You know, you're, you're good. And and then they go up, and he's in his plane, and and they say, you know, he he and and Rooster have a moment, and he's like, we'll talk when we get back, and you're like, yeah. oh shit, <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's the the kiss of death, and and he and Hondo have that moment when when they're locking in and and finalizing everything, so it really felt like goodbye, like he had made his peace that this is probably my last last hurrah here. Yeah, and he's kind of yeah, he's at that point. And you said Hondo's really kind of the only person that really gets who he is. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really emotional. And it's it's tough, man. And we get Tom Cruise, uh, Tom Cruise he or Maverick sacrifices himself. It's just cool. It's it's amazing. And then there's silence. Um, and you feel it. And they but Rooster tries to come back, gets himself shot down because he hits the helicopter. Now they're both on the ground, and this is where the movie gets this is kind of the moment where I'm like, this is a little too ridiculous. They find an old F-14, take right. off. Uh, Which you know, they set up in the in the first act. Well, there's you know, F-14s on the airfield. <laughs> that, that's yeah. all they needed. <laughs> With, it's like Chekhov's gun. If you show it in the first act, you <laughs> so, got to use it in the third act. So that was the so that's the uh, yeah. And they get away, and they're in a dogfight. And I lo what I love so much is when they're um, the two patrolling um, fifth generation fighters are there, and they know that something's up. And then Maverick just makes that really quick move and blows that first one out of the sky. I'm like, oh yes. Uh, but it does get to the point where this 
this aircraft is a little bit too advanced for them. They run out of guns and they and they just can't hang with it. And then yep. that's where Hangman comes in and helps out. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's glorious. It's just happiness. It's just you know it, our characters. Both of our two main characters get everything. You know, Rooster um, got to where he needed to go. Maverick did everything he could have done. He was. They, they were both willing to sacrifice their lives um, for that. For that. You know that respect for each other and what you know. What they want and Maverick was willing twice because first he he gave up his his playing his F eighteen to cover Goose. Uh, I keep calling him Goose because he looks so much like a, I know. To cover a rooster. And then um, when they're in the F fourteen, he's climbing and he's telling him to pop out to eject. Yeah, and 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 then it, at that point, I still thought, wow, he's going to let Rooster pop and he's going to take the missile. And when his when Rooster pulled the cord and it wouldn't go, I was like, oh, okay, somehow. Somehow, that's finally when I realized, okay, no one's dying today. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it, it's uh, and and I loved like the F fourteen as as you know as goofy as it, it might have been. It it you know comes back to you know all the things that Maverick was teaching them. You know the the man in the box, not not the the pilot in the in the box, not the the plane. Exactly. And uh, and just doing it instead of thinking about it and. And you know all that stuff comes back around, so it's so it, satisfying. It was so fun. Um, it's just yeah. you just feel you just feel good about it. You know, exactly. <laughs> you're just like you're just happy for everyone involved. Um, and and as we said at the top, it's there are some overarching themes about what's going on, but for the most part, it's just a really simple redemption story. Um, with- and it. And it- and it's a surrogate father and son story because he they do reconnect to that level at the end that you know the little epilogue there that they're now very tight like the way they should have been all along and and this is exactly. his, he's now a father to to rooster in the way that he should have been in a, yeah in a way in in you know thinking about maybe I don't know. You, you just you you get older and you've got stuff sitting out there in your life that you're not dealing with. Uh, and you know, for most of us, it's not being put into <laughs> a trench run, um, right. but we don't want to wait too long, right? We've got this stuff out there, and we want to. And I think that that actually is a good lesson um, for the folks around us that we have unresolved issues with, which maybe can be solved by a simple conversation and not something quite as dramatic as this. Right. Um, but those things do hang on you if you don't deal with them, um, and, and it hung on our characters, and it could have ended up. It really could have ended up terribly and which would have been more resentment more guilt more frustration um but in this in this case gets resolved in a beautiful dramatic just loving it all kind of way um so yeah this i i I can't i can't put too much finer of a point on how much (laughs) i love this movie Um, and you have to feel like um it made like you said a billion and a half dollars or so and you have to feel like there's going to be a Top Gun rooster, you know. I think so. I feel like they'll they'll find a way to to, to mine <laughs> this and uh, and you know and- I wasn't too excited about, when I heard about this movie. I wasn't too excited about it. I'll be honest. Um, and I t- I tend more on the pessimistic side. Um, but this movie completely blew away my expectations of yeah. what it what it could have been and what it, what it ended up being. Uh, and it blew away almost everyone's expectations who saw it. And so if they announce something in the future, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll probably be skeptical at first and then <laughs> proof is in the pudding. It'll probably be great. And so I'd, I'd be down for that. 
I mean, you think about the arc of the Mission Impossible movies that you had the one and then several years later, they came back with two. And now once J.J. Abrams got involved, they they had a, a series of great sequels. So um, I, I really could see them them doing more of these with with Miles Teller in the in the in the lead position. And uh, and, and what a great ensemble, too, by the way. Oh, um, yeah. Everyone's great. Bob and, and uh, Bob. <laughs> Monica Barbaro. And yeah. Uh, uh, do you have a call sign? Me? Yeah. I I would assume some my friends would call me like Hollywood or Hollywood. something like that. Yeah, Hollywood would be good. Well, they had a Hollywood in the first. We had time. a Hollywood, but yeah, I was trying to think of what it might be Badger. I don't know. <laughs> Casper? Did they have a Casper? Because you're like a ghost. I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> it's a tough one. They always seem to come up with better ones in the movie than you could ever think of in your. <laughs> and the funny thing was, is that um, one of the guys was. Um, he was the dude from uh, from the Good Place, uh, Manny mm-hmm. Jacinto, and all his lines got cut out. You just see him kind of walk into the bar, he's the, he's yeah, the back of all the briefings. And he doesn't get to go on the mission. Yeah, too bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I guess economy. Now this movie is two hours and ten minutes, and I think it's yeah. perfect length. Um, it doesn't feel like it. No, like, it just blows right by. It really and does. It just makes you feel good about life. <laughs> <laughs> So, and that's really the main. Honestly, if there's anything out there, uh, when you come away from the, the way you feel coming out of seeing this movie, um, if every movie could do this, uh, the, then they would be they would be accomplishing their goal. And I think this is a masterpiece of action filmmaking. Um, I think it's one. Honestly, I don't know where I, I don't know historically where I put it, but I, I do. I will just say it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. Um, okay, you know. It's my favorite of the year so far, and I'm, I'm sure you know. I don't know. I haven't seen uh, Banshees uh, yet of of uh, Ishanirin or whatever. I haven't either. Um, I know that that'll be in in the top hunt, but you know, like you said, just going and seeing it in in like I said, I've seen it five times, <laughs> and every time I walked away going like, "Yep, that was a good fucking movie." I'm just gonna throw it on again. Yeah. Uh, when, you know, every movie has a goal to accomplish, um, and no matter what story they're telling and you want it to be successful. And this one is just, just fucking, fucking yeah. nailed it, man. <laughs> uh, I don't think we need to do ratings here. Um, I think I've already given a five and five. Yeah. Do you have, do you have anything less than a five and five no. on this? No, no, it's brilliant. It's amazing. Go watch it. Uh, I've heard the 4k release is fantastic. If anyone's into physical media. Uh, so go check that out. I know it's streaming now on uh, Paramount plus uh, and you could certainly, by the way, the, I think the digital sales were quite high or the, uh, the disc sales were really high and digital. Nice. Um, this is an absolute. This is one. This is when you're just happy for the industry when something so good makes a lot of money. We see some movies that are no offense to Fast and Furious people, but when a Fast and Furious movie makes a billion dollars, the little part of my soul gets <laughs> eaten away. <laughs> so you can you do want to see that marriage of 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 high quality um, and and monetary value being seen. Um, so that is it. Top Gun Maverick. If you have anything else to say, Dan, uh, and also where people can find you, I'd love to hear it. Um, well, until it it burns in a you know fiery you know toilet, whatever. I'm on Twitter at, at Dan Franco with a Franco with a K, and uh, I'm on Instagram Dan Franco eleven. Um, yeah. So. Go check out Dan. Go check out Comedy Horrors. Um, look up Dan on IMDb and, and watch all of his stuff. It was all fantastic. Um, and uh, also check out his previous episodes here on Blockbuster Mentality. By the way, you guys, uh, God, the, the recent episodes, um, 
you know, Dane Cook and uh, John John Ross Bowie. Um, those those are fantastic. You guys are really killing it right now. Yeah, it's amazing we can manage to uh, have these somewhat decent conversations with these really intelligent people who uh, somehow are are able to open up a little bit about their lives. Uh, So we, we love it. We're surprised just as you are that (laughs) we're impressed as well. turn out. Uh, We love everyone listening uh, each and every week ish. Uh, And if you guys got a, maybe a movie you want us to to talk about or or a guest to bring on, go ahead and let us know. You can find us at at blockbuster mentality on Twitter, as long as Elon keeps it going. Uh, I heard there's 10 people left at corporate headquarters, but it does seem to still be working, so maybe just keep 10. I don't know. <laughs> <For now. laughs>